0: Welcome to the Broly Marketing podcast series where we explore anything and everything to do with running your small business. In today's episode we are looking at business development and growth with a particular emphasis on the current COVID-19 lockdown and how that might affect our plans. Indeed, are growth or development even possible in the current circumstances? My name is Dave Harris and joining me down the line to discuss these issues is Sharon Shapiro, Broly Marketing Co-Founder and Sales Expert, and Stephen McAllister, Business Leadership and Development Consultant and a Broly Marketing Associate. Welcome both of you. Sharon, if I could start with you, is, is business growth and development possible at the moment?
1: Well, yes, I think it is, but it's just not in the traditional sense. So many of the people that I'm talking to at the moment What they're trying to do, and I think it's the right thing to do, is to develop relationships for the future so that actually you're keeping that uh, continuity and that connection going. But because times are so uncertain, depending on the type of area that you work within or sector that you work within, some businesses obviously are finding it almost impossible to grow at this point in time.
0: Stephen, what's your take on that? I mean, can you do something useful in terms of your growth and development at the moment?
2: As Sharon says, it depends what, what sector you're in, but I do see some businesses that aren't sitting back and, and waiting for the world to, to blow them away. They are changing as they go along, whether that's changing how they what they offer to the customers, finding different customers, or finding their customers in different places. So whether it be traditionally someone who'd be looking to sell to businesses and now looking to sell to consumers. So there's businesses that I think can perhaps not prosper, but certainly survive, help find growth in other areas and be capable of coming out of this in a reasonably good shape.
0: Given that we, we are where we are, and obviously things are far from ideal for, for any business at the moment, or for the vast majority of business anyway, what are the specific circumstances that, that impact on the business development process so in other words what's what's different now that we're in this crisis and we're in this lockdown what are the things that uh, that businesses are having to deal with
1: well i think one of the main things is if you're a business that is used to going out in terms of your salespeople to visit and have a face-to-face meeting then clearly you cannot do that so from some of the businesses that i again am talking to what they're trying to do with that in mind, is do all the preparation, all the run up, all the development that they can to a point where they would ordinarily go and see the client or prospect. And then they're going, well, actually, we can't go and face to face see you. So, what we'll have to do is kind of make the assessment that the sales process will be longer. And we may not close the sale in the same way that we would under normal circumstances, because we just can't in fact, speaking to a salesman the other day, he was saying, I can't wait until I can get and actually sit face to face in front of my clients again. Because we are, you know, people of, of obviously social kind of beings and we like to be face to face with each other.
0: But is there any danger, do you think, for businesses at the moment that? people kind of don't want to be sold to at the moment, you know, because of the mood of, of the nation, the mood of business, you know, they think, oh God, is somebody trying to sell to me? That's a bit, that's that's not quite right, is it? You know, I mean, and and you might damage yourself by doing that.
1: I think that's absolutely right in the sense that there's so much uncertainty out there. But with that in mind, I think that it's, as back to Stephen's point really earlier, that if you sit still and you do nothing and you don't talk to people, that actually that's just as dangerous as not doing anything at all. So in other words, if you can change the way you're doing business slightly so that that's uh, B2C or business to consumer, rather than business to business, if that's traditionally how you've done your business, then again, it's all about being a bit flexible, being a bit nimble. And I'm thinking, I hate to use this phrase, but outside of the box uh, to change the way you're doing things. And actually, in some ways, by the way, this is a fantastic opportunity to do that, to actually be forced to do that, to survive. And there's nothing wrong with that.
0: And Stephen, that's a very interesting point, isn't it, that Sharon's just raised about this being an opportunity? Because, in your line of work, where you're helping businesses to develop, I mean, I know from my own experience, often a, a hindrance to development is just that there's too much going on. You know, there's too you're, you're so busy with the day-to-day work of the business that you don't get a chance to work on the business and to to develop it. So perhaps this is a good opportunity to do all those things you've been meaning to do for years.
2: Absolutely. I think that's definitely the case. And I I can think of one example with uh, a business that I work with who uh, sell a tea, high-end tea, so single estate tea from Sri Lanka. Um, Their traditional market has always been to sell to hotels. So if you were to walk into some of the big London hotels for afternoon tea, chances are you're drinking their tea. Um, Trouble is, of course, that business has completely disappeared. And over the last year or so, There had been a a push in the business to build a consumer-facing piece so people could come and buy those teas online, but not really focused on it to the same extent as the commercial business because the commercial business is the bigger piece. And actually what's happened now is it's given that team the, the opportunity to completely switch the focus and work on how do you sell to consumers. And to some extent, it came as a little bit of a surprise in the sense that as everything closed down, the consumer side of the business picked up people buying online directly. It picked up without any effort from the, the team themselves. And what we began to realize is that of course, people are at home, people get more time. There's an opportunity to, are they're more interested in treating themselves, having nice tea, having something in the afternoon. And what the team have done then is switched around and said, how do we focus on that? How do we grow that? So a good example is where in the past they would have run a, a, a tea academy in a hotel. So come in for the afternoon, the, the guy who runs the business, who knows his teas uh, exceptionally well, would give a, a talk. You'd buy your afternoon tea and he would take you through how tea goes with various foods and an education about the history of tea he just does that online on facebook facebook live for fun people can come in for the afternoon have a cup of tea have a scone have a bit of fun learning what tea goes with which thing and that's helped grow sales and and to your point and your question would never have got round to doing that uh, before the lockdown now we're getting time to focus in on and try and grow that side of the business
0: another a very small example i saw the other day uh, i bought some i went to the, to the local shop and bought some eggs And there was a little message in the egg box from the egg producer, just a little typewritten slip of paper, saying, please consider buying medium eggs because... Uh, we, we can't sell you any of our medium eggs to hotels at the moment, so we've got loads of extra medium eggs So would you mind buying them? You know, and it was a nice it was a nice little thing because I thought oh gosh I never even I never even occurred to me that that would be a problem, you know But of course these egg producers have lost a huge amount of their market presumably and uh, And apparently it's medium eggs that the hotels would buy normally, which I never knew
2: and something that would be very easy for you to do and you'd probably be very amenable to do and is tremendously helpful to the business. So it's quite clever on their part to make it, such so a nice, easy thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just putting a note in an egg box, I mean, it's a great method of communication because you can't avoid it. It's there when you open the box. I, I, I rather like that, actually, and, and, and did certainly make me think about it. But um, but my breakfast aside, Sharon, do you think that some business sectors are better placed than others to succeed at the
1: moment? Definitely, I think that actually going back to Stephen's point about hotels, clearly they're all closed. So anything on the hospitality front is is struggling big time. I think obviously a lot of the factories are shut, so anything engineering based again is struggling unless you have the ability to print face masks and things like that where obviously they've come into action in their own right through 3D printing and things like that. But I think communications, telecoms, IT, And if you look at the rise of Zoom, for example, any of those types of businesses seem to still be pretty buoyant. The financial sector as well also seems to be, so not retail, not banking particularly, although that obviously is still around, but more on the investment side of things, that's still business as usual.
0: There was an interesting discussion wasn't there at the beginning of the lockdown about whether construction workers should be included as as sort of key workers and 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 in the end i think most of them did sort of carry on except perhaps on the biggest sites where sort of social distancing was impossible but i mean things like construction they're they're major drivers of the economy aren't they so presumably if they if they can keep going that's going to help a little bit
1: uh, I think that's right. I, I don't know the exact rules and regulations on that. But yes, I know that I've seen many construction workers still out there on what I'd call standard builds, So, you know, commercial type operations as opposed to, for example, hospital maintenance and things like this. But yes, I think it's so difficult for people to do the right thing in terms of carrying on and what is the right thing in terms of social distancing
2: i think construction is a good example around where, where i live certainly see a lot of small construction sites perceptions that really haven't they really haven't changed partly it's driven by economics a lot of these guys are self-employed if they aren't uh, working it's pretty tough for them so i think there's been a desire in that industry to keep going um i think early doors when the builder suppliers were shut it was difficult but as they're opening up again it's a picking up and again just chatting to some people uh, some some builders that i know they are biggest concern right now isn't that they can't work right now it's that future projects will be postponed or cancelled because people won't spend money on the next house or the next extension or the next if you like small project i'm not talking so much about the huge plc type businesses but i think it's been within reason it's been a good thing the constructions kept going and i think they can now they look like they can socially distance reasonably well so if they can I think it makes sense that they do.
0: Stephen are you getting asked by your clients for specific advice around this you know are people coming to you and saying help Stephen what are we going to do you know that sort of thing?
2: A lot of people actually a lot of people have good ideas it's very seldom someone comes in and goes oh I don't know what I'm going to do it's the, it's the classic of if someone typically has an idea and as often as not they're just looking for someone to bounce that idea off or even to someone to say yeah, look that's a good idea try it or here's a slight uh, play on it. So again, just, and this isn't even a client, it's just someone I happen to know who's in the in the print industry, had for ages, uh, small business, had for ages been conscious of the fact that it's difficult to compete with the big guys, because he'll never get down to the um, prices they do based on the volume they run. But knew if he could switch to slightly different types of printing, small runs, using digital printing, he could probably do quite well. And he's just seized on the opportunity to do it right now. He's getting reasonably cheap. Second, good second-hand equipment coming onto the market. That market's beginning to change. He's got the equipment in. He's sitting down now working out how to make it work the way he wants, set up the business. He'll use word of mouth sales to start with, and then his challenge will be, how does he sell this when we come out from lockdown? But that's not someone sitting going, I don't know what to do. That's almost someone going, now's my chance. I'm gonna seize the opportunity, and what happens, not quite sure, but let's try it.
0: Sharon, I wonder if I could ask you about the way bigger companies as well, as well as small ones who are, are changing because presumably if they don't change if if the temptation is just to sit it out and, and say well okay we've got enough cash in the bank we can survive a few months and, and everything will be back to normal do you think that's a you know there's a big risk in that because actually normal has gone but perhaps it's gone forever?
1: Uh, I think it's definitely true to say that if they sit back and just carry on as they did before that they will continue to survive against their competitors. Um, and if I think about uh, one of my clients that I've worked with over the last few years, and I'm still very much in touch with some of the people who work there, a big financial and uh, investment consultancy. And of course, most of their people and their global would work from their offices, of which they have many in you know, the big cities around the world. And of course, now they're all working from home. And the, thing, the psychology of that before was very much, as many other businesses, that you really have to be in an office to be doing your job and doing it well. But I think now they are hopefully beginning to understand that actually that may not be the case. You can, if you're comfortable, you're set up correctly, it is feasible, assuming that you've got the right security in place, of course, that you can do the job job just as well. And actually, these meetings that they're flying people all over the world to join are just not necessary in terms of the travel, the time it takes, you know, how tired you become from physically just traveling, the productivity. And that's another thing that's actually interesting to try and perhaps judge going forward, can just be as good, if not better, because you are in a better state of mind physically and mentally from not doing all that kind of traditional travelling to get to that meeting that you desperately needed to be in Japan or wherever it happened to be.
0: Stephen Sharon talked there about, you know, working from home and 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 that sort of thing being much more possible than perhaps a lot of people realise and a lot of companies realise. The other side of that coin though is that not everybody is going to want to work from home. I mean some people actually like you know, get, coming out the front door in the morning, getting in the car, doing the commute, listening to a podcast on the way to work, and uh, you know, and getting to work and socialising with their their workmates. You know, that that's a it's a ritual, but it's also quite important psychologically for a lot of people, isn't it? And 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 do you do you think there's a danger that we're going to we might throw you know the baby out with the bathwater sort of thing?
2: Yeah, I, I think my own personal experience and having been in, in different types of businesses is that i think this just facilitates a move towards more home working but it doesn't make it the only thing so i can think of examples where having worked in businesses for years and and years ago we 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 encouraged home working in a business that i was part of and there's two things you need to do with home working is you, you, the business needs to trust the employee that they're going to work from home historically businesses have got have tried to manage the lowest common denominator so the rules go in place to combat the person who's least well behaved rather than trusting people and just dealing with those who don't behave by exception but if we got to the point where it was perfectly acceptable to work from home what we actually find was that people wanted to come back into the office for the social side it's for the chats by the coffee machine it's for the and it's not necessarily talking about last week's or last night's tv or football it might be talking about small business problems and issues and ideas that you wouldn't necessarily pick the phone up to talk to someone about or go on a conference call for. So I suspect what'll happen is this will encourage the businesses that were reluctant to work from home to encourage more of it because it's worked. Uh, They can see it works and can see people do work from home, but they might work slightly different hours in slightly different ways. And you'll probably need some amount of working in the office or get together just to facilitate that face-to-face communication, the social side of it, the occasions when people bounce off each other, they've had an idea and the other makes the idea better and so on back into that doesn't necessarily happen if you just talking to each other when you formally scheduled calls and phone calls and Zoom calls and so on and so forth. So, sorry, to answer your question, I think working from home will become more popular. I don't think it'll become the only thing, but I think it might be something that those who have been sceptical about it in the past will see it as a, a valid way of running their business in the future.
1: I don't think that, generally speaking, working from home has been an accepted practice for many businesses for all the reasons Stephen's mentioned actually and yet it is uh, it still can be very productive as a mode of uh, operation if you like.
0: I remember talking to an office designer some time ago and they were telling me that you know they tried to design in sociable areas in offices now because it had become apparent that a lot of the best ideas happen when people bump into each other on the stairs or, or, or in the corridors you know so they, they now try and build that into offices so that there are places where you're away from your desk and you meet up with with bob from the department next door and you and you do shoot the breeze and you do come up with good ideas because this stuff does happen doesn't it
1: yeah i mean if you look at the um, serviced office types ideas you look at some of the modern versions of those compared to some of the traditional models that took place place that is exactly where they're at with that and those and that includes actually different businesses they might be of a similar sector but they are completely different businesses who are encouraged to meet talk chat etc and bounce off each other and it's fantastic the vibe when you go into those places is just unbelievable
0: let me talk a little bit about small versus large in terms of, of business uh, do you think small businesses have an advantage over large larger businesses in the circumstances in the current circumstances because they are by their nature they're likely to be more flexible and and they you know the old cliche about you know turning around the oil tanker as opposed to turning around a fishing trawler you know it, it's it's just easier for them to change i mean sharon do you think that's true
1: not necessarily no because i think it depends upon a the management that you have in the business and their ability to kind of think a bit more nimbly uh, and b obviously it's an element of cash how much cash have you got there to kind of suddenly take a bit of a, a change and a turn whilst considering that maybe the revenue that you've got coming in may go down slightly from your traditional method of selling and also i think it depends on the person who's who's you know, running that business in terms of whether it's small or large and the type of business that they do.
0: And Stephen, what about you? I mean, do, do I mean, is it, are you necessarily better off if you're smaller?
2: I don't think you're necessarily better off, but I, I do have a view that small businesses can can take advantage of this. They are typically more nimble. I, I do take Sharon's point because you have some great management of big businesses as well, but small businesses can typically be more nimble, more creative. They have less red tape to get through internally to get things changed if they can be clever and quick, they can be very, very fast to reduce the cost base in certain cases. And if they can be nimble and quick, my argument is this is the time they can seek to take advantage. So be different, be nimble that when you come out of this phase, they're in a better place. So again, chatting to the the guy who's in the print industry, a lot of the big print companies, this will be a tough time for, can he be sitting, not trying to beat the big guys, but sitting just in a better place when he comes out? And I think. Small businesses, not all, but there'll be a number who can who can do that. Even an example, a swim school. So they're completely stuffed right now. Um, the, the way you can be teaching children to swim. They're doing online um, drills and exercises and courses. Now, you might argue that's just to keep their clientele interested so that they'll come back afterwards. But maybe they make a business out of that as well as the physical coming to the pool and learning to swim.
1: But that, um, Stephen, is the same as when we were talking earlier about keeping that relationship going, keeping that connection going. That's actually probably how they'll survive. And there might well be a byproduct that actually they end up doing some online stuff as well because it happened to be that they refined that uh, when they couldn't do their traditional types of school that they would take place. I think exercise also fits into that in a fantastic way. And not just the fact that the classes are online, but the fact that you can teach, and that can be applicable to anything, but globally. So your audience, or your um, clients, call them whatever you wish, suddenly opens up to this just mega market that you never had before.
0: Yeah I think that's interesting isn't it because because as you say all the gyms have shut but I know a lot of the ones around here have all gone onto Zoom and other online platforms and everybody's just doing their classes from home and, uh, and they don't have to get in the car they they get they get an extra 20 minutes in bed I mean there's all sorts of advantages to it
1: The other thing I was thinking about there is you don't have to pay for the um room or whatever it is that the, you know if you're a teacher of I don't know pilates or whatever it is you're a gym instructor because you are doing it from your own home, you've not got the overheads either of paying for the accommodation or whatever it is that you use to teach people from.
0: Before we wrap up, guys, I I wonder whether you could each perhaps offer some advice or some some tips to businesses at the moment about what what they should be doing, what they should be thinking about to get through the next few months and to hopefully come out of the other side of this in a healthy enough state to carry on and survive.
1: From my point of view it 's very much about keeping talking to people um, and maybe picking up the phone where you might have not done so before, because I know people aren 't necessarily that type uh, of person where they want to speak on the phone. We do so much now by online communication you know uh, on emails and and all sorts of other chats and things like that, but actually picking up the phone and talking to somebody, you get a great deal more. if you do it by emails which are obviously often misconstrued so now is a really great time to do that and it keeps that relationship going
2: from my perspective i'd agree with what sharon says and the other thing i would add would be while it might sound very obvious it's conserved cash so a lot of businesses are very focused on sales they're very focused on profit but actually cash is the thing that kills a business first so whether that's uh, delay payments, if it's or delay orders for, for materials, whether it's talk to people who owe you money, and in, uh, right now it might be difficult for them to pay, but equally use, as Sharon says, use that as the opportunity to talk to them, even if it's agreeing a payment plan that says, look, uh, you owe me money, you can't pay it all right now, but can we agree a stage payment? Keep the dialogue going. And in terms of conserving cash, the other thing clearly is to take advantage of all of the various grants and loans and whatever are available. And and my advice there is go to talk to someone you trust, whether that's your accountant your bank manager some advisors whatever go to someone who's used to doing this find out what's available and take advantage of it and do it quickly but conserve cash cash is the thing that makes or breaks businesses right
0: now. You've been listening to the Broly Marketing Podcast with our special guests, Sharon Shapiro and Stephen McAllister. If you found the discussion interesting, you can find out more about Broly Marketing and the multidisciplinary services they offer at www.brolymarketing.co.uk.
2: You can also find more podcast episodes there. So please subscribe, share and keep listening.